Welcome to the Weathercock Podcast. Thank you for dropping by and having a listen. This place is the place to learn something new, open up new possibilities and maybe a new reflection on your part, and even, even maybe change your mind on something. That is the Weathercock way. Thank you for being here. Today's guest is Timothy Bay. We decided not to have a topic and just let the conversation free flow. And what came out of it was super interesting. We went all over the place from Timothy's winemaking, beer making days, crafting beer, to his coaching journey, his spiritual journey, his childhood, his favorite book. And this brought me back to my childhood. So it goes back and forth. And I actually talk a little bit more than I should on the podcast, but it's done in a very free flowing way. So we had a lot of fun discovering each other. And Timothy is a very... I would say someone that you get very attached to quickly. He's so authentic, he's real, he speaks from the heart, is called a lot an old soul, I agree. He is an old soul, he's very wise for the age that he has. So age means nothing in this podcast. It is what you bring to the table in your insights, in your knowledge, and Timothy sure delivers in this one. Timothy, you are the first guest that I have on this podcast that I've never met before and that I've never had any interactions with that uh, even though we've done the same coaching certification program at the Jay Shetty School, we have never, I think, touched base or connected in any way. And you reached out to me a few, I think a, a few months ago, or maybe I'm wrong, a few weeks ago about, you know being interested in the podcast coming on and I was more than happy to have you on because it was like a new challenge for me to have someone on the podcast that I didn't actually know or have met yet. So I thought this would be a great opportunity to meet someone that I would learn about on the podcast because we've had a few interactions. You've sent me a few questions here and there through Instagram and just DMing me and me DMing you. But other than that, we've been, you know, we, we, don't know each other. So this is awesome because this conversation is going to be based about, about building upon building a relationship, a conversation, a relationship and see where it goes from there. So thank you for coming on today. I'm very excited to, to talk to you. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here, Rod. And exactly, I think it's going to be really interesting to have this conversation. Um, a lot of podcasts I've been on before, there's been planning, we've had uh, Zoom calls before to prep. So it's a great experience to be here and just to dive right into it. What attracted you or what made you reach out to me? You had a guest on a couple of months ago, a dear friend of mine, Alexis Helena. Oh. And she, I listened to her story on your podcast and we had so many similar conversations, but I felt like you asked such inquisitive curious questions um you really got her to talk and having known alexis for about a year now i really felt like you just showed her in a great light and i was really curious about your podcast um why you named it the weatherpot weathercock podcast um so i wanted to like dm you and uh, be on the show so why don't actually, that will be a really good point to start. Why don't you talk a little bit more about how you named it, uh, your podcast, the way it is? Why is it called the Weathercock Podcast? The podcaster becomes the podcastee. I love <laughs> yeah. that. I love that. Um, 
Thank you for sharing that. And yes, Alexis is a dear friend of mine and it's awesome that you guys uh, have this relationship together. And yeah, we, the whole concept of this podcast is about creating really insightful conversations that lead to wherever it should be leading. At the, in the end, I think my whole mission with this, this podcast is to enlighten people. Um, hopefully they get something out of it, whether it's a good laugh, a tear, knowledge, wisdom, a nugget here and there, or just a path of reflection so that they can actually, hopefully, put something into their lives that will make them go forward and maybe reflect on jumping into their dreams if that's what's holding them back. And having people from all walks of life uh, who, yes, there's a lot of coaches that come on the podcast, uh, there's going to be a much more varied type of guests that are going to be coming on in the next months so that we can expand this podcast into all types of people so that we can have conversations that I think the sole purpose of it is to just give people an opportunity to reflect on their own lives and maybe either apply something to it or just keep it in their minds for future reference because Definitely, I don't think that my goal here is to try to change people's lives, try to offer them, you know, a, a solution or, you know, a, a, a result in terms of what they can do and they can't do with their lives, but rather just open up thinking and maybe, just maybe think like a weathercock. Now, you ask this question, it's a great segue into why I call this the, the weathercock. Um, because the weathercock, I don't know if it's a universal theme, but maybe you'll tell me if it is in the UK, but here in Canada or in North America, weathercock is seen as someone who changes his mind often. So usually you're called a weathercock if you change, you know, often careers, you change your politics often. You like heavy metal, but then you turn you you like rap, and then you like classical, but then you go back to jazz, and then you go back to heavy metal, and you're like a weathercock. You're always changing your mind. And I was called a weathercock often in my life because of the fact that I've done many different things, different jobs, uh, different uh, different types of hobbies. I've been interested in many many things. And you asked me a question: What was one of my you know, you'd say my biggest strength, and it's always been my curiosity to learn about different things. I'm interested as much in history as I am into heavy metal. It's it's just who I am. And this has often served me in many great ways, but in my relationships, people just didn't know where I was going with all this because they always thought that I would be, I'm doing one thing this day, but I'm doing another thing the next day or in another year. <clears throat> and that's where the whole weathercock uh, idea came for me because I believe that people should be able to change their minds as often as they want, not as they need, but as they want. Wanting and needing are two different things. So you want to change careers because for you, doing what you're doing now does not serve you anymore, then you should be able to change your mind and do something else. Life is way too short to not do what you want. So change your mind. If you don't like eating meat anymore and you want to become a vegan, a vegetarian, whatever that is, change your mind and do it. And yeah, people will call you maybe a weathercock because you keep changing your mind because you might be a vegetarian and go back to eating meat three years after. Who cares? Do it, right? And I come to the conclusion that we are conditioned a lot as human beings 
when we are young and growing up that our curiosity is trampled by the pressures of society, our parents, our family to choose to be one thing. So when I was young, I thought I could become Superman. I thought this was a reality for me that I could save the world. I could save the girl. I could defeat the villains and be very, very powerful until the day I realized that you can't become Superman because it doesn't really exist. But my curiosity led me to believing that this could be true. This shows that we can become anything that we want in our lives. But one day someone tells us, you got to choose one thing, go study that thing and become that thing and make a career out of that thing and then buy a house and get a family, then get a car, payments, car, credit card bills, and etc. And then you get into this, what I call the spin cycle of life, where you are turning and turning in terms of what you are in society and you can go 10, 20, 30, 40 years without ever seeing your life go by. And one day you wake up and you go, what the hell just happened? I mean, I've been doing something I never wanted to do because when you're told to just do one thing, then you kind of feel limited in opening up your options to do other things. And I've never adhered to that. And I've always done what it is I wanted to do. And whenever I was in a spin cycle, the whole universe conspired to send me a great message to say, get out of there now, either by me hitting a wall, losing all my money, losing a relationship, but making a decision to do something that I wanted that was differently, that would be different, sorry. And that's where the whole weathercock concept comes upon, is I worked in retail, I was a musician, I was a senior director at Apple in an Apple store, I was uh, an editor, I was a publisher, and now I'm a coach. I've done so many different things, but I've done what I wanted to do, and some have not served me, and some have served me, like what I do today is what I find today is my mission, my purpose, but I could never have been here today with you if I would not have done all of the rest. And it took me 48 years to find out, right? Now I'm 50, I've been doing this for the last two years. I'm 51, sorry. I've, for the last two and a half years, this is what I've been doing and I've never felt so fulfilled, which is ultimately the mission of the weathercock. That being said, I'm making a very long story and this is your podcast, by the way, but you asked the question. That is the whole goal of the weathercock. It is to be curious, reclaim your curiosity and explore, experiment, expand your horizons and then discover what it is that you want for your life. That is the goal of the, of the weathercock. To change your mind as often as you want so that you find what it is that you really, really want for your life. And it goes through the exploration part. You experiment, you make mistakes, you screw up, who cares, keep going. You expand your horizons so you expand your thinking. And then you discover what it is that you want. And if it doesn't serve you, change your mind again. Keep going. So the word failure just doesn't exist anymore. It's all about learning and growing. How do I do and what can I do differently next time? And you keep going forward. And this is what the whole podcast has come about. This is what the whole concept of what I do as a coach and as a writer and as a speaker is to let people know to reclaim their curiosity and do what it is that they really want. And if it means changing their mind and being called a weathercock, so be it. I hope people will be less frightened or fearful of being called a name because you're going to be called names anyways. But the weathercock is, I think, the least of the worst names you can be called. 
and just go for it. So to answer your question in a nutshell now, the Weather Cock is about changing your mind. And hopefully with the guests that I have on in the podcast, they help people open up pathways of reflection so that they can think that, hey, I can reclaim my curiosity, explore different things, experiment, and see where I am. And every coach that's been on has been on this journey because most people have gone into coaching when they've hit the wall and they've realized that they've been doing something for the wrong reasons for so many years. But today, they want to come in and make a difference and serve others. But they got that lesson too. So they reclaim their curiosity and today are opening up themselves to exploration with their clients and experimentation and expanding the horizons of their clients and also expanding theirs by serving the clients that they're serving and discovering. Isn't that what life's all about? So that is the weathercock, Timothy. Thanks for asking. I should shut up now because it's your podcast. <laughs> no, I absolutely love that description. Well, thank you so much for sharing. It's wonderful to hear it in so much depth and I'm glad you didn't shorten that story because I always tell people uh, and my clients to not shorten their stories I think sometimes people will have and I coach them and they'll be like okay to make a long story short no I want to hear the full story so I'm so glad you shared that with me thank you so much and I definitely feel like if weathercock was like a term used in the UK it's not used in the UK um, this is like my first time hearing it uh, I definitely would be called one. I a very similar story where I definitely changed my mind a lot about stuff. Uh, I used to not only drink alcohol, but I used to brew my own beer. Uh, craft beer was a huge thing for me for many years. I drank a lot. Uh, now I'm sober. Um, growing up, I ate a lot of variety of foods, um, a variety of meats, very exotic uh, foods being Chinese and being just curious and open to all types of like food groups. And uh, now I'm a vegetarian. And so and career as well, I've kind of been over all over the shop. Um, so I definitely feel like my friends would call me that if that was a term here in the UK. So I feel very much at home here in the podcast. You should, I, I can let you borrow the name if you want. <laughs> I can license it for you if you want in Thank the UK. You, you were, you, 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 you created or you crafted your own beer. That's really interesting. Like what I'm reading in your bio is that you have a degree in communication studies, a master in social science. So how does someone go from a degree in communication studies a master's in social science and goes to craft beer, trying all kinds of foods. Obviously, you're very curious. Uh, tell me a bit about your pathway and what led you to coaching ultimately and serving because those are some drastic changes that are happening in your life. You know, you know, did you have your own beer company? Was that it? Crafting your own beer, you were selling it also or just drinking it? Yeah, mostly just drinking it. Mostly um, just drinking it, okay. Yeah, mostly just drinking it. So the craft beer happened when... Um, I noticed my friend, uh, a dear friend of mine, Jack Fuller, we've been friends for a very long time, and he was just, we would go out drinking, and he was just drinking some really interesting beers, and I was like, I'll just drink whatever you're having. And so one time he served me a pint and it had an orange wedge in it, and I'm like, I'm not sure if I'm going to drink that, like, what is this? 
And um, me and him just got into a really long chat and he was so curious and I could just tell his enthusiasm for it. And I was like, man, we got to start making some of this beer. And so we went to like a home garden center, bought the kit, took it back and we started brewing it. We started making it, learning about it. We understood all the different hops you could use um, and all the different kind of oats, how to get the sugars right, different types of enzymes how the sugars like broke up when you were boiling it uh, different yeasts that you could use to pitch the beer to make it ferment and how to make this faster we were bottling it um, and we were also just drinking a load of it we were really into the craft beer community uh, here in the UK would like go to different breweries to do tours to drink their stuff locally further away and him and I kind of really just did it as a hobby. Uh, I saw his enthusiasm. Uh, we were both fairly good at it. And so we ended up just upscaling the kits that we had. And now he still brews out from his garage, um, but I don't brew anymore. Uh, what happened there was basically I was thinking I'm going to do dry January and it was 2019. I'm just going to do dry January in 2020. And when I did it, I just felt so much clarity in my head in that month. I was like, wow, this is amazing. So I went and didn't drink in February as well. So I was like, okay, I'm going to carry this on for February. And then in March time here in the UK, that's when COVID really hit. So lockdown was coming in, we we're working from home, moving stuff, our offices back into our homes. And a lot of society at that point ended up drinking more. But because I had that first two months, I was like, I don't think I need this. So then the whole year when we were in lockdown on and off, I just drank less and less and less. And in the end, I just turned sober by the end of the year and I stuck with that and it was all about listening to my body my body very much at the end of 2019 was like I don't think I can do this anymore I don't think I can keep up with this pace of not only drinking but brewing the beer taste testing um and just drinking probably a bit too much that I really had to listen to what I was feeling inside the body and uh, acting on that uh, there's a great quote uh, I can't remember who says it but they say that feeling the body is healing the body and I really truly believe it so crafting your own beer meant you had to drink it because you enjoyed it or was it becoming a problem in your life like an actual you know an addiction to a certain degree no, um, there was no addiction. I, I actually generally like beer. Um, I like pain. Um, I like alcohol, to be fair. Like some people just mm -hmm. drink it because it's fun. There's nothing else to drink. Uh, they do it because everyone else was doing it. But for me, I came from a perspective like the level of depth that the way I consumed alcohol. So um, I also traveled in New Zealand for a bit and I worked in the vineyards. And during my time traveling in New Zealand and working in these vineyards, I was learning so much about wine. I was like picking the grapes. I was smelling the grapes. I was like learning about the different grape types. Um, there was, I can always remember where 
there was like this rot called botrytis and like they would cut it off because they wouldn't want to spoil the wine. But one time we picked a certain grape and I can't, and I think it was Pinot Gris, G-R-I-S. And the winemaker was there and he said, I want you to keep the rot because the rot is sweet. So us as pickers kept the rot. And when we were picking it, uh, this all this wine and all this rot was just in the barrel. And he took it all to kind of ferment and make this wine. A couple of weeks later, there was a huge rain, like downpour, and we couldn't pick because you can't pick grapes when it's full of water because it's just saturated water. There's no juice. It's not sweet. So you don't want to pick it. So ended up we going to doing a wine tour. And during that wine tour, we had the year before Pinot Gris, and it was the best wine I've ever drank. It was phenomenal. And in that moment, I was like, I understood the winemaker because it was sweet. It was like light. Um, it was like, I describe it as drinking angel's wings. Like when I drank it uh, back in 2014, when I was like really into this stuff, it was the best one I've ever had and consistently still, still is. And I like the process. I've always been fascinated by how is wine created? What is involved in the entire process? Um, why do you have different types? The soil, the different countries that kind of make it popular. You have like places like Bordeaux that's just so famous for their wines in that area of France. You know, why is that? And how do they create this legacy of like infamous wines over time? And so my introduction to alcohol or my enjoyment of alcohol was never just let's go out and just get pissed even though that was a part of it when I was younger and growing up there would be a level of this wine is phenomenal like this craft beer is phenomenal how do they create this why is it so different and um, that curiosity just led me to pick grapes work for uh, the vineyards, brew beer, and learn it from the bottom up rather than like going in and just trying to learn it from the top. I've always been ready to get my hands dirty and uh, learn it from the bottom. So over that time, I never got into like, I couldn't stop drinking, but my body was telling me that I was drinking too much and I need to cut it back. And since cutting it back, uh, I just ended up stopping and that just came a natural process for me. And it was never like forced. It was never like an intervention by someone else. It just felt like, okay, cool. This is just what I want to do. Change my mind about it and stop drinking. Wow. Thank you for clarifying that. It's so fascinating what you're saying. And this, I mean, this goes beyond the simple verb of drinking. It, it, it's the craft of creation of 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 alcohol of wine and beer and i'm listening to you and it's almost as if you're creating music or writing a book there's such detail and you know you have to be invested in this process of you know creating wine or beer and i'm curious to know when you decided to do the dry january and february and then sort of just decided to stop drinking altogether did you continue crafting beer anyways? Because the craft is still seems to me as a passion of yours to be able to create this beer, alcohol, wine. Did you continue or did you just was stop when you decided to stop drinking? It was also stopping to create and craft your beer. Yeah, I 
was uh, really open with my friend Jack. I basically was like, I'm going to stop drinking and I don't think I can continue with um, brewing anymore. And um, yeah, I'm just going to leave it uh, to him and my other friend, Jamie. And so I didn't, it just didn't feel right to me that I would spend my time making the beer whilst also not drinking it um, because of the money and time that went in for it. I felt like I could use that money and time to, for other things. Um, so yeah, I just kind of like stopped the crafting side of it as well. Uh, but I, but by learning the process, you can apply the process to a loads of different things. And that's the thing of me, I guess. Sometimes it's important for me to understand the way I learn. So learning how to learn something is just as important as learning the end result. And I find that so often when we are able to learn how we learn as individuals the best, we are able to just replicate that for other things. So, for example, I've when I finished or during my coaching course, uh, I also went off on a very spiritual journey at the same time. And as problems and challenges came up, because I had already knew how to learn, I didn't have to be, what's the word? I didn't have to think, oh, this is not right for me, or this is incorrect, or this is not the right spiritual path for me. I was able to give things a try. And one of the first things I did was, so during this process, my friend was like, come to a kirtan. And I'm like, what the hell is a kirtan? And she says, like, you got to experience it to really understand it. So basically, it's um, mantra, chanting of mantra to music. And it's done in a call and response way. And you would do it in a group. So a common mantra might be om tat sat. And someone right at the front would say this, and then the group would respond in this music. And so whilst I'm there, I'm like, okay, cool, we'll experiment. This will take part. And in the end, like the music got really ecstatic. It became almost like a club. People were jumping up and clapping and dancing. And now I'm sitting there in my first ever time, and I'm like, these guys need to sit down. Like, this is supposed to be like a serious endeavor. Why is like there's too much fun almost going on? And I didn't quite get it. And the, but I left that evening buzzing. Like I was felt so awake. I was so rejuvenated from my long day. I felt like I was so energized, like a really good session in the gym, or like you've just completed like a huge project. You know that feeling where you're like, this, I've just done this huge, amazing thing. This is great. And you feel like you can like go off and like fight the world and tackle the world and tackle any problem. That's how I felt after the first session. So one side, I had this amazing like adrenaline uh, pump. I was like, okay, let's go. And the other side was like, this is weird. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to do this again. But because I'd learned how to learn, and one of the first principles is you should never judge something by your first encounter. Um, never judge this first thing uh, based on the first time you experience it because so many factors may be different. So uh, go to a, like a restaurant, you have a bad experience and maybe like the main chef could be off that day. The person wasn't having a good day as your waiter or waitress or whatever it could be. Give it another go. And I gave it another go and I said, okay, I'm giving myself six weeks. I'm giving myself six weeks to what this is. 
and I'm going to learn, I'm going to dive in, I'm going to try and figure it out, and I'm going to watch and observe. And I gave myself six weeks, and um, those six weeks evolved, and I've been in this spiritual practice for a year now, and it's been, yeah, May, so it's been a whole year anniversary for me, and it's been an incredibly exciting process. It's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. It's very, very insightful. In terms of the timeline, did you, how did it work in terms of you going from creating and crafting your own beer, going into dry January, then the pandemic hit, and then mm -hmm. the spiritual journey? How did this all intertwine together so that uh, you stepped into that spiritual journey? So the loads of overlap, to be fair. Um, my family, I personally grew up in a very Taoist family. So spirituality has always been at home. Okay. It's more that I felt disconnected or um, my family were making their own shifts uh, away from Taoism into their own spiritual um, kind of journey that I felt like this was a good pivotal moment for me to explore my own. And with the dry January, it was 2020, and then the whole year. And then I started the coaching course in 2021, December, graduated in 2022. And so the overlap was when I'd started the coaching course uh, graduated in November 2022, and my first ever here town was um, 2022 of May last year. And so, but spirituality has always been at home, and uh, it was nothing particularly too new to me. Uh, always been part of your your family, like you said. Yeah. Okay. So, then in that case, how did you become a coach? What led you to Jay Shetty and sign up to become a life coach? You went from learning the craft of making wine, beer, yeah. uh -huh. making a decision on stopping to drink because it wasn't uh -huh. serving your 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 health and you anymore, right. and then jumping into coaching. Right. Take me through that. What's the process? I'm what was your process? Way further back and go back to do my undergraduate degree in communications. So I, when I was studying, I came across a principle known as social skills training. And I was a very awkward, uh, shy and quiet kind of lad. And in many ways, I still am. I'm still quite the introvert. And I was like reading these social skills. And it was, it was a module called interpersonal interaction or interpersonal communication. And there was this whole couple of lessons dedicated to teaching people how how to be better at social skills and predominantly is used for people that are extremely um, bad at them for whatever reason and it was very basic things like smiling keeping eye contact uh the, the ability to formulate better questions or hold conversations, being able to tell stories and all these social skills that I felt like I personally lacked could be taught to somebody. And I was like, this is amazing. This is gold. And so I like devoured every book in the library 
And then I'd thought that was so interesting. Um, I really enjoyed it. And then that kind of curiosity just continued to evolve. And when I was in higher education doing my uh, undergraduate and my master's, I just naturally gravitated to people that wanted greater or were also interested in these discussions that wanted to talk about what we'd just learned, wanted to have the reading and do the reading and be part of this like depth of quest for wisdom and I had so many friends come up to me like you should consider being some kind of coach or maybe a mentor or going into counseling and all this kind of stuff and so that was kind of in my back pocket and I was thinking I have no idea how to do that like how do I be a coach how do I be a mentor like I'm 21 years old who's gonna listen to me right and it was really funny that just was always in my back pocket and when I went into working and corporate life and it just felt like something was always missing like you talked about fulfillment and I guess it was direction for me this direction of where you want to go this fulfillment I remember like six months into my work and I was thinking oh man this is just dragging like I'm six months into my corporate life um this is awful and I said this out loud to my team because I'm really close to my team and one of the my colleagues was like yeah Tim you've still got another 40 years of this and I'm like I hope not like (laughs) I was like I hope not um and that quest that curiosity always led me to do different things because I thought that doing what I was curious about, um, what I was more interested in would make me more fulfilled and make me more like enjoy life better. But over the last two years or so, what I've personally discovered, what actually makes me leap out of bed and get excited is actually wisdom is actually depth of conversation um the association that can nurture that and i've seen that transpire through an evolution of friends and it's just been wonderful to be in a group of coaches of spiritual enthusiasts that want that depth of knowledge that wisdom um that continued curiosity uh my, my one of my spiritual teachers uh, describes it as being joyfully insignificant like it the sense of ego is removed and you're like i'm just a small part of this whole experience of life in my own life journey and in the life journey of others my family and my friends i'm only there for a short time but i can still be joyfully in that insignificance of time and when he said this I was blown away by how sincere he said it and how much humility he had when he said it and it just felt like he truly believes that uh, this really high and significant monk would be 
saying these words, I was like, this is just so powerful. And like to have that joyful insignificance is a true blessing. And I truly feel that right now as I say this to you as well on this podcast. Joy, joyful, insignificant time. I just, I love, I love that saying. It's just, I, I'm, I'm going to keep it for myself and remind myself of this. This is great. I'm curious to know, is there a book that you read back when you first met a counselor and started going into, you know, your growth journey? Was there a book specifically that changed everything for you? Oh, great question. Um, was there a book? Oh, there's been many books that have changed everything um, along the way for me. And do you want me to pick one or do you want me to just, uh, kind of just out of uh, on the top, off the top of your head, if there was a book that really like was a game changer when you were 21 and that you said, this is something I want to explore more. This is something I may want to experiment with becoming a coach. I don't know how to do it, but there's all these books that you've read. Is yeah. there one that really like just boom was a game changer for you that had something in there that just you know, opened up a new pathway of reflection, opened up the tunnel and you saw the light. Do you remember one? I have one in mind. Uh, it's extremely uh, dubious because it gets a lot of bad rep in society. But I think we're going to say it out loud because of the way I processed it personally. And the book is called The Rules of the Game by Neil Strauss. And Neil Strauss, if you know him, wrote The Game, which is the first book. And it was like, it's like a pickup artist book. But I, when I read it and I'd learned it in parallel to social skills training, I was thinking this is basically social skills training, but for dating. And I felt like he had missed stuff out in that book because that book was very written for like entertainment. And later on, I discovered that he had a second book, which was The Rules of the Game. And in The Rules of the Game, um, which is far better, it explains the principles behind why things worked. And the first, and it's basically a 30-day book. It's, um, sorry, it's a challenge book. And you get a challenge every single day for 30 days. And the challenge is you have to get a date by the end of 30 days. And there's no pressure for you to change anything or to do anything that alters your behavior or anything you don't want to do. But it opens up the possibility of the change that you want to do. And it basically suggests that if everything that you're doing already is not working for you, why not change something and see if something worked? And so the first 10 days was about your external appearance. Um, if you're unhappy, if you're unkept, if you're unhygienic, if you slouch, then these things may be better for you to change. You may want to improve your posture, get a haircut, and you know improve your hygiene. The other th half was about the next ten days was about your internal um, perception. So it talked about everything we do now, like limiting beliefs. It talked about um, understanding the gender uh, opposite gender better, and the way that it was broken down in the rules of the game. I felt was really clear and concise. Now that I'm even talking to you on this podcast and be able to break down these stories and talk 
way better than I did in my 18, when I was 18 or in my early 20s is because there's a key part of that book which describes how to tell a story. I actually am going to be on a, I'm going to be at a festival in July and I'm going to be talking and doing a presentation. And that fundamental presentation of learning how to write a script and then learning how to memorize a script and then learning how to memorize a script with no prompts and just off the top of your head is described in this book. Sometimes my friends would tell me, how do you learn and memorize stories so well? It's because of this book. And the final 10 like challenges in the book is ultimately going out and meeting somebody. And so the that book, his first book, The Game, and his final book, The Truth, which is kind of like a trilogy series, uh, for me really impacted the my own development, um, coupled with my own education and uh, my own growth and development over time. So I would say that book. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. And I'm, I'm just curious to know, I, I heard the name Neil Strauss, but did you start reading this book out of wanting to start dating and sort of, you know, get into that world of meeting people and, you know, also trying to understand the psychology of relationships? And then it turned into something different where you started understanding a lot more about yourself and then it went much deeper than just going out on a date. What was the the attraction to this this book originally? Was it that first and then became something else? Or Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. definitely. Um, so 100%, I definitely was the weird, um, very shy kid in school. And so I definitely felt like I needed help in that area. And so I, yeah, read this book. I got the book in the focus of going out and getting a date. And it just turned into so much more uh, over time. I just felt like the personal development journey turned into a personal compassion journey. And then that turned into this whole spiritual compassionate journey for me. And I feel like as I older now I don't really like the term personal development I feel like it's more self reflection and self-compassion and when you go through the whole process you learn so much more about yourself and others and Jay in his Jay Shetty in his newest book Eight Rules of Love he writes how your partner is your guru and how you can learn so much from them. And over the course, I definitely felt like a lot of my partners, a lot of my exes were definitely my gurus. Uh, I learned so much from them. Um, I just had felt like so much gratitude towards them. Um, I'm reading that right now. Also, I'm reading Jay's book that uh, I finally picked up. And I'm it's funny that you're saying that because uh, I'm at that part. I'm into guru part also. And it's a really yeah. interesting part of the book to read. Um, I can resonate with you in terms of when you're growing up and feeling that it's difficult to connect with people. In my case, it was girls. And I never read books on relationships. I never seeked out a book on relationships. I never had anyone there telling me that there was books on relationships that existed. So I kind of navigated this whole thing alone. And it was a very, very difficult 
period of my life being in high school and being constantly rejected for a date with a girl, being interested and being told that you're ugly, that you're, you don't look good, you don't smell good, whatever it was, you know, because let's face it, teenagers, kids can be very harsh in their comments. There's no filter, right? So it makes it even more difficult to get through those types of periods of life that we can have when we feel that rejection coming on. So it seems that you were able to sort of navigate it and tell me if I'm wrong and meet people that turned you on to a book that helped you grow your consciousness, your awareness, and get you into a better place and healthier relationships, probably meeting healthier people that, you know, were able to serve you and be a good companion to you. Was your high school years and the before difficult for you in terms of relationships? You see, you say that you were introverted, you were very shy. That was, that's my case completely. But more than that, my shyness and my introvertness became a crutch where it started becoming self-hatred, right? And hating who I was, not wanting to be who I was, always looking in. I, I was obsessed by music in those days, so I was always wanting to become a rock star, but be the person in that magazine and not me, anybody but me. And it was a very difficult period because at the same time, I, was, I felt that I was unlikable, unlovable by another person, apart from my parents, of course, but even then it was difficult. And through the years and the ups and downs and the mistakes, you learn and you, I was kind of, I had this consciousness open up because it was in me to be more curious about myself and accept who I was over time. And that's a whole other stuff. That's a whole other podcast. But that being said, was your journey a bit of the same? Because it's very difficult when you're young. It's still today when I talk about it now, it, it brings me back to those years of being so lonely and feeling so out of tune with the world and that journey could have went sideways completely because you know I had thoughts of suicide I had thoughts of you know wanting to get rid of myself because I was I felt I was unlikable because nobody understood me right so we don't have this consciousness of trying to open ourselves up and create relationships but rather the contrary we want to be loved we want to be the center of attention we want validation we're kids we don't have this this maturity yet but it's a very very important time what i'm hearing is that you seem to have grasped onto it pretty early in your life than most maybe not most but a lot of people have and then end up in their 30s and then still struggling with that stuff uh for me i was able to switch that around in my 20s and start living a better you know relationship but still you know the relationships i've had have always been difficult because they've always been centered about lacking you know wanting more validation from my partner wanting more of this basically everything that goes against the, the jay shetty book right now so <laughs> it's 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 fascinating what you're saying and i can resonate with that but does this resonate with you what i'm saying this is this has this been part of your journey also the, the 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 growing up part the difficulty of connecting of feeling lonely of no one understands you yeah um I just want to start off by saying thank you for sharing so openly, Rod. I think uh, it's really courageous. And yeah, some of that definitely resonates. I personally felt like it was more, I saw it as a skill that I lacked. And it was kind of like some people are naturally just good with the partner that they're trying to attract. 
and some people are just not and for me it was like uh like some people are good at maths in school and some people are just not so for me I was like okay I'm not good at this thing there must be a way to learn it and I was curious and I was open to like learning so I remember standing in Waterstones which is a bookshop shop in the UK and I was just like okay right so where do I begin and then all of a sudden social skills training came in in my course and it kind of all just kind of meshed in and collided together that as if the universe was like I ha- you have to discover this like this is the way it's going to work out for you and put me on this journey I didn't feel particularly alone because I was single but I definitely felt like there was always a question of identity and belonging being a british man growing up in the uk in a predominantly very uh, white kind of town very white kind of school there was always this challenge of fitting in and belonging i would go to a chinese school on a sunday and uh, to learn chinese but then again i never really fit in with them i didn't really connect with like a lot of those kids i felt um i had friends um but they it was something like there was always this question of you know am i chinese am i british like i have a hong kong id card when i go back and visit family but i have a uk passport so this question of identity just came up and what it meant to feel authentic and what it meant to be belonging and uh, brene brown writes this beautiful quote where she says fitting in is not true belonging like if you are forced to fit in then that is not true belonging and that really resonated with me i really like renee's work i'm a huge fan of hers and yeah to go back to your point where we discussed our partners being our gurus i really there was a pivotal point uh, i was having a discussion with an ex one time and she asked me what makes you vulnerable and uh, this is going to give you a glimpse of how far I've come uh, I, w- I basically said nothing makes me vulnerable because vulnerability is a weakness so if you have an army a and you have another army b and army a wants to beat army b then you're going to be exploiting their vulnerability you're going to be working out what their weaknesses are and in a fight situation your vulnerabilities and your weaknesses are going to get you killed and in that was definitely my mentality and my answer to her when she asked me this question and it was very much a sense where i was like i don't want to be vulnerable because that's going to get me killed and so we what would we do is we armor up and that led me having that discussion um that discussion grew to really working on myself and it actually led me to go off and really reflect on 
well was at. And then Neil released his book, The Truth. And then in that book, he kind of talks about how he kind of going through therapy and counseling and doing his own work. And I was thinking, okay, maybe it's my own time to look into this now. So I actually went through counseling. So my guru, um, my ex was able to kind of like inadvertently push me through onto this like self-healing, self-compassionate path. What I'm hearing, and tell me if I'm right or wrong, is you've been self-regulating since a young, since you were pretty young. Because it sounds like you've been mature for a very long time, just in your decision-making process and in your path. You've always had this consciousness of improvement. Of even though you were maybe not a hundred percent aware of everything, it, I'm hearing a lot of maturity in your pathway, and. Not that I'm comparing to my pathway because we're two unique individuals. I was very immature until my 30s in terms of relationship. Always seeking validation, always wanting, wanting, and needing all the time. Which you know brought me to realize that for a lot of times I was playing the victim of my past and you know repeating the same mistakes. So it took a long time for me to self-regulate you know, take responsibility for how I was and who I am and the decisions that I've made and also, you know, just be mature. But what I'm hearing from you is that you had this maturity since your teenage years, maybe even before that, and you've sort of navigated the ups and downs in a much more regulated way than me. And again, this is not to compare at all. It's just two different stories, but it's very interesting to see how you know, you, even though we're, we're two humans, we're not cut from the same cloth, but almost, but that's two different point of views, completely perspectives. And I find that very interesting. What do you think of that? Yeah, my, a lot of my friends would say I'm a really old soul. And it just became even more apparent uh, last year. I was sat having dinner with my spiritual friends and when one of my spiritual friends i've kind of like very much grew up um in the culture said to me that i was deep i was like holy moly like okay i didn't think about how mature or deep or reflective i was until that moment and so yeah, I feel like perhaps I probably could have had a little bit more fun growing up. Um, I don't know if the maturity is a gift or a curse, uh, but it's it's something that I guess I've always had. Um, but at the same time, it's not like I've been mature and been void of fun. I feel like you can be mature whilst also being silly and joyfully fun and it you can do both you can have both at the same time you don't have to have one or the other and i'm a big fan of gary vaynerchuk and he says do both he always says like oh do you want to do this or this and i was like why not why can't you do both and i think so often definitely when i was younger we often make the choices of you can only do one or the other you can't have both. It's like, oh, you want, I don't know, um, you want to go out on a Friday night, but you got to like hit the gym in the morning. 
then you got to pick one or the other. You can't do both. Well, why don't you go out on Friday night and hit the gym in the morning, right? Um, I'm a huge fan of uh, Kobe, and there's a wonderful documentary of him, and I think he's in LA. He goes out and parties uh, with his team, and then they're like, okay, cool. I partied with all of you guys. Now you're on my, I'm totally on my schedule. We're going to go hit the gym. And he, did, and he did both that day. And being able to say that your options are not limited, that you do not have to do either or, you can have both, is truly a blessing. I was, and just to carry on with that story, um, just to add a different example, I was really blessed by a friend of mine to invite me to this very wealthy part of London recently uh, in Mayfair. And I was like, this is just absurd level of wealth. It's like you play the monopoly board. It's the most expensive like ticket on the board and I'm there. And this man was just so gracious. He was uh, incredibly humble, happy. He was just like, please just enjoy my home. Um, please eat my food, have the drinks that you want to drink. But he was deeply spiritual and he talked about his own journey, his own spiritual path. And you could have both. You didn't have to pick like a spiritual journey or uh, having a lot of wealth. You can have both. And if you're listening to this podcast right now and you're thinking, oh, I've got to make a hard decision about two separate things about what I want to do in the future. It's like, can you have both? You've just described the essence of this whole weathercock thing that I have going on is about not just choosing one thing, but choose as many as you want. You're not limited to just one thing. And I so agree with you. I mean, a lot of times we're taught to, if you say yes to this, you have to say no to that. And I'm like, why can't we say yes to both? Right? Why can't we have both? I'm not saying that you can always have your cake and eat it too, but sure. Why not? It's just a question also of perspective. And if there is patience that is required to have both, maybe not in the same time, maybe there's some, you know, a commitment that you have to make to one before you make to the other, but you can certainly have both. And I, I love the way that you framed that. And I very much agree. And it comes back, I believe, to not only reclaiming your curiosity, but pursuing your, your curiosity and trying different things and not limiting yourself to just one thing. So yes, yeah, sometimes you do have to say no to something in order to say yes in certain decisions of life, things that are just part of, I guess, being in society. If you pay your rent and that's the money that you have, then you have to say no to going out maybe for a restaurant. That's, you know, it's common sense to a certain degree. You don't have to put yourself in debt to do both and say yes to everything. But you can say yes to doing two different things, trying different things, and not just saying, well, if I'm an architect, I can't be a musician, or I can't explore painting, or I can't do, you know, you can do both. It's just in due time, as long as you don't just limit yourself to one thing. And I really love the way that you, you frame that. Is this something that you agree with? Is this something that you can add on upon what I just said? Yeah, definitely. I think like, I just to add on, I think now, now where I've experimented and been curious and doing a lot of different things, I'm at a stage where 
I'm very happy doing what I'm doing right now. And I actually need to put in the effort, the intention to try harder and go deeper. And so sometimes when you are able to experiment and so I have the coaching thing going on, I have my work, I am able to say, right, I'm in a good space. Now I need to put in the effort. Sometimes we can be like, I can't be bothered today. Or uh, I wanted to try this thing out, but I'm having second thoughts. I'm a bit doubting myself. Uh, I don't know why I'm trying it. You forget. You have to remind yourself. And it's that level of intention of knowing your why, of going in to doing this, remembering your practices, remembering your um, commitment to trying it and going deeper. And right now, I'm reflecting on where I am and I'm saying to myself, I actually need to put in the effort. And I guess it's that level of maturity coming in or my own awareness of myself where, okay, I have been slacking off in these areas. I do need to try. And when you be able to put in that effort, I think you can really like are able to reap the rewards uh, later on. So if I'm hearing you correctly, after being certified as a, as a life coach from the Jay Shetty School, <clears throat> you've not necessarily started your business yet. You are you have clients, you coach here and there. Is this something that you've sort of been putting off? Or is this something that you're going fully in and really developing with time? Yeah, so at the moment, I've kind of been putting it off. I've had uh, a few clients and they're doing really really well uh, but i have been not been able to fully commit uh to building the coaching a uh, business side uh some things are in place so the website is pretty much done i just kind of need to launch it and everything is kind of built through my social media channels um you can book a discovery call with me via linktree and I guess I'm talking about my own spiritual practices. The coaching thing is there, and I still need to continue to put in effort there. I've been slacking in my own spiritual practices of meditation in the morning. Um, and there is where I can see more effort being put. Why do you think that you've been giving less effort to that? And what makes you believe that you've been less committed to it? Great question. I personally think I've just been slacking, uh, just lying, um, laying in in the mornings and not feeling like I've wanted to do it. Um, when you have like half hour, 45 minute meditation practice, you can be like, oh man, I could be using that time to be doing something else um i could be using that time to be some to like checking emails or going to the gym or having that 15 45 minutes half an hour in bed um it's so much easier just to hit that snooze button and 
or wake up later and, and do something else. So if you listen to this podcast, it's not just like, are we being super transparent and authentic with all of you? Uh, the coaches go through it too. It's not just like the clients. Everyone kind of goes through this up and down uh, with things that they're supposed to be committed to. And I guess to get myself back on track, I just have to remember why I started it and also how great I feel at the end of it. It's, mm. it's something that... Or I always feel so much better at the end of having do it, done it. Mm -hmm. uh, and you can always forget before you do it, like, either, oh, it's okay, I can pass today. But right. if I do do it, I feel so much better. And it's remembering the end result. Thank you so much for sharing that, Timothy. That's a very authentic of you, transparent. And I appreciate the honesty. And... I think one important question that I ask myself a lot of times, because you're absolutely right, nobody's perfect. I mean, any coach that goes out there and starts, you know, showing off their habit tracker that's filled out perfectly and, you know, that their life is just robust at all levels is just, that's what it is. It's social media. It is sort of showing you what they want you to see. We all go through this. We're all human, right? And I totally adhere to what you say. But the one important question that I ask myself a lot of time is, is this what I want or is this what I need? And there's a huge difference between doing that. And for example, if I want to hit the snooze button in my bed and I want to do that, then it's a completely different thing than needing to get out of bed because I need to fill out my habit tracker and do my routines and I need to do this because I need to prove something. Then that doesn't make it attractive at all to actually do it. It just makes you not want to do it because you need to do it. But wanting to do something is a totally, I feel, different experience. And if your body wants to stay in bed a bit longer for a month and just relax, and if it's what you want, then maybe that's what your body needs. And mm. ultimately, it's okay. There's no time limit for that as long as you're doing something that you really want. But a lot of times we get pressure from seeing what other people are doing and seeing how other people are operating their businesses. And we're like, wow, I should be there too. And I need to get on this. And But is it what you want? Is it really what you want? Maybe it's not what you want. Maybe you're creating a need and being needy will not serve you in the long run because people see through that. You know, it's just, it's the same thing. So I believe now, it seems like I'm going to give you a monologue here, but I'm not at all. I'm, I'm reminding myself that life is a highway. We are on a highway and we're going straight down that highway because we have a destination, whatever your goals and dreams are. But on this highway, there's exits, there's potholes, there's flat tires, there's rest areas. There's many things that happen on this journey that we go left and right and we get off the road, we go off a beaten path and we go down this new road and we see new things, we explore new things, we expand on new things. And we all end up at the destination that we want if we're committed to wanting it. But we have to accept that the pursuit is just part of the game of just whether it's staying in bed a bit longer and not meditating for three months because it's what you want to do, then it's part of the journey because somewhere down the line, and this is what I've learned the, the most in my journey, is everything connects in the end. Because one day you're going to serve a client that's probably going to say, I've been lounging in my bed for three months not doing anything and I'm just so sick of my life. And you're going to go, hey, I've been there. I know what you're talking about. Now let me tell you about my journey so that you can be reassured that there's a want and there's a need and hopefully this person will be 
illuminated by what you're saying and your coaching and your guidance and your ideas and your concepts will you know reinforce everything that you're saying there's a reason for everything and i believe if there if your highway was just one straight line to the destination there would be absolutely no value to anything that you're doing in your life you need to go make alcohol you want to go make alcohol create craft beer because this it's going to serve someone eventually who's maybe creating something themselves your journey will not just be one of alcohol it's one of creation and passion but imagine if your life was just one straight line and just no you know just doing what you need to do every day and that's it and you get to your destination but you're like oh is that it what's next i believe yeah. your exits and your potholes and the flat tires you get along the way are part of the experience and telling great stories and what you're telling me today is just sounds to me like you're totally human and we all go through this human experience but the goal i believe for both of us today is to sort of tell everybody it's okay to be human we this all happens to us and your story is very inspiring because you've had this maturity level and like you said an old soul i really resonate with that but at the end of the day you still want to hit snooze button that's that's fine as far that to me just reinforces the fact that it has nothing to do with perfection it just has to do with you following your path and this is what's happening today and we might talk together again in two months three months and you might have this booming business and maybe another side side business that you've started that just is off the rails great and that'll be just another story to tell but you need you wanted to take that time off to just sort of maybe not know what to do but that's what ultimately your spirit needed this is just my thoughts by the way no, for real, absolutely. I couldn't say it better myself. So, what kind, what type of coaching do you do, Timothy? What's the uh, what like somebody that works with you? What is your your? I hate saying the word niche because it sounds like you're very niching yourself. I'm just one thing. I'm just doing this. But what type yeah, of coach sure. do you feel you are? What are you, what are your what kind of type of type of clients that you work with? Do you have uh, specifics, or are you open to working with anyone, anywhere, anybody in the world? I call myself a awareness coach and I work with all genders and I work with my client range is specifically between uh, 25 to 40 uh, but I'm open with working with all ages and naturally people who are gravitate towards me are going through some kind of transition in their life and let it be leaving a business to be self-employed or they've just gone through a um or they're going the other way they're going self-employed to go back into a business or they jump or they're changing careers this is kind of the individuals that i'm attracting and now i chose awareness coaching and i only do one-to-ones because during the course, I naturally gravitated towards one-to-one coaching. I just felt like that was my home. Uh, I felt like I had some kind of, I don't know, affinity with it. I just feel like I practiced it well. Uh, so that's where I focus in on. And I chose awareness because in every stage of my own journey, I felt like awareness has been the pivotal E to unlocking the next step and then it comes back around and it becomes the same key 
that opens the next step again. So for example, we've discussed how I was really curious about the process of wine and really curious about how to make it and enjoy it. And, you know, I learned that you could score it out of 20, judges would score it out of 20, three being visual, um, seven being how it smelt, and then 10 being on taste. And that process led to me learning more about beer. And then that beer learning journey taught me how to learn properly. And then when I understood how I could learn, then I was able to reflect on my own processes and notice any patterns. My experiences with my own counselor was able to then unlock and help me volunteer at the UK Samaritans group that talks about uh, suicide prevention. Um, And then that led me to think about, okay, how do they do it? Uh, What's the difference between what they offer at this charity to a counsellor? How is that different to a coach? And the more I realised I exposed myself to external factors, I was able to reflect and think back of how that reacted to me internally and what did I like about what I was exposing myself to and what I didn't like about it. And then I was able to refine and I was able to rethink what my next step was going to be. And so my there was two levels, the external the external um what's the word i'm looking for object to create some kind of stimulus to make me think and then the internal acknowledgement of the chemicals going on in my body of excitement or my intuition saying no this is not for me or whatever that might be to then discover what i wanted to do next And so it was both the external experience and my own internal uh, awareness coupled with that fact to then move on to doing the next thing. So it was always cyclical. It was always cyclical. And which is why I couldn't pick myself as like a career coach or um, a finance coach or something that was very secure in that top level i felt like i was going to be a spiritual coach or or like a purpose coach or a goals kind of coach and as i did my own um spider diagrams my own reflections my own refinement awareness coaching was the coaching i kind of settled on because it just labeled what i did to the best of the ability and my approach is to help my coaches reflect on what their patterns are what they're happy with what they're unhappy with and where they would want to go next what habits would they like to adopt why they're feeling a specific way helping them feel them and move them through it um yeah and so that's why i kind of that title that I, I really love the way that you broke that down for me and 
I think I couldn't agree more, although I have only known you for about two hours now, that you are a very curious person that's curious about many things. So if you would have, I guess, niched yourself into one thing, it would eventually have become many things because you're just a naturally curious person. So whether it's for financing, finances, sorry, or for someone looking for purpose or a career change, etc., etc., all of it probably interests you. So creating awareness is good for all of those. So that's, I think that's, that's really, really, really nice. Time is just flying by. We've been talking for almost like an hour and 20, 25 minutes now. It's just going. Wow. And I want to ask you a few questions before we say goodbye, because I would love to have you back on to continue this. This is just a really, really insightful, deep, beautiful conversation. But I do have a few questions I want to ask you. Let's go. Let's see, get your get your insight on that. The first one I want to ask you is, what are you most curious to learn in the next few months? Is there something that is itching to, to learn, to, to discover something new that's just Ooh. lurking and creeping up on you to say, learn me? That is such a good question. Oh, I'm thinking now. Because... I'm in the process of doing so learning something new definitely would be uh, a new habit I would have to adopt what am I going to learn in the next few months I think my instant reaction to that would be to learn more about chanting and meditation oh wow love that so this is, some, this is a journey that you're already on but go even deeper with this if I understand correctly Definitely. Oh, yeah. awesome. We need to do another podcast on that because that is something that I'm really curious about. I'd like you to define me what fulfillment is for you. Of what fulfillment is for me. Fulfillment for me is the feeling of feeling full. And it can simply be existing and it doesn't have to be tailored into the world of doing. And I do understand that I've used the word full to define fulfillment and uh, it's uh, my own pet peeve when people do that. So I'm going to break it down a little bit more for you guys listening. And when, I don't know if, this may resonate with some of your audience, and I hope that this uh, metaphoric resonates. So sometimes, have you got like juice boxes or juice pouches over in Canada? Like yes, they we used do. to go in kids' lunch boxes, yep. yep. and and if you drink them as an adult, you've gone in like the first sip. Yep. Right. So I feel like if when you have no fulfillment or there's nothing, you sip that. And it just goes, right? But when you have fulfillment, your cup can be full. And as you develop on what makes you feel full, that cup gets bigger. Mm. So you may have a cup that is uh, like a sippy cup. So you've gone from like your juice pouch, your juice box to like a sippy cup. 
then you get um, you do more and you fill your cup back up and it becomes like a glass that you drink soft drinks out of then it gets bigger uh, into like a stein or like a big pint glass you drink beer out of next you have something even bigger like a bottle and over time as you develop yourself as you find your purpose um, as you go through your own fulfillment and you feel full you inside of you you may feel like a bathtub you may feel like a big body of water like a lake or like the ocean where you are so full of living and being you that you are consistently full so sometimes we may go to work and we take a drink out of this cup and you're exhausted because your manager's shouted at you you've missed a deadline you're in late you're stuck at the traffic you're like an hour late for every reason someone hands you a project that you need to do and it's like 3 p.m on a friday afternoon and that cup gets depleted over time and you're empty and either with whatever practice you do spiritual exercise uh work career your family whatever you do to fill that cup up the over time i feel as though those good practices add up and the contents the container of the water goes from cup to stein to bathtub to lake you continuously fill more and more full so for me the definition of fulfillment is that feeling when you feel full what a wonderful metaphor i love that you have to put that in your your future book that you're going to write <laughs> feel free to use that yeah no no i'll leave that one to you that, that's a good one i love that my next question is if you're standing in a room in front of a microphone filled with people and they're all looking at you with their arms crossed or not waiting for you to impart a piece of wisdom on them what would you tell this crowd arms crossed in a crowd microphone. or not arms crossed makes it look like they don't they're they're really waiting for you to impress them but some of them might just are looking forward for you to tell them something I think I would actually start off and go through a meditation with the group. Okay. okay. Yeah. I would say, hello, everyone. Good evening. Good morning. Good afternoon. We're going to do a meditation right now. And uh, if you've never meditated before, feel free to just to follow the sound of my voice. Uh, those of you who are interested in going through this process with me, uh, please kindly take three deep breaths and we begin now. And that's what I'd say. That is the first time someone has brought this up. I love that. I love that. That is totally your color. <laughs> that's beautiful. My last question. I told you that I'm a huge music geek. I'd like to know you. Who are your favorite band, bands or band, singer, songwriter, song, whatever? What resonates with you in music? Just like the Weather Cock podcast title, um, I've gone for an absolute spread 
of music. So uh, music I'm listening to right now is deeply spiritual. So I will give you two artists that uh, I listen to most of. One is a hugely deep friend of mine. His name is Kaylee Woods, K-E-L-I. And uh, the other is Janavi Harrison. Um, I'm just listening to a lot of their music right now. And this is like the phase I'm in before I grew up with a lot of indie. So Arctic Monkeys um, from the UK. And then I evolved into like this rock kind of feeling. So my friends got me into like ACDC, uh, Metallica, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Guns N' Roses. Classic stuff. Yeah, I went through a whole dance phase. when I danced and so that was like a whole host of whatever was basically in the charts. Mm. Um, Funk, so a bit of James Brown uh, in there and then uh, like I guess I had a huge phase of Lady Gaga as well. I should probably not uh, admit that on this podcast but huge Lady Gaga fan. You should. You should, because that's what it's all about. You're very eclectic. You're curious about many things. You love all types yeah. of music, as me. So I think that's beautiful. So say it. Yeah, Lady Gaga, yeah, she's yeah. got some great songs there. Um, I think she was great. And yeah. So, but now moving into supporting my friends and this spiritual path of going through John Levy Harrison and Kaylee Woods. Please send me the links to their Spotify's or whatever so that we can tag them on the show and people can go out and have a listen to them. Will do. That would be great. Yeah, send it to me by email. Um, Listen, Timothy, this has been very, 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 very enlightening, fun, deep, and we could go on for hours. And we haven't even touched your your Pokemon collection and (laughs) playing. And this is something I really wanted to touch upon, but we're kind of lacking time. So I would love to have you back on eventually and let's go talk, continue this conversation and get into a bit what you're doing with that seems something that's very important to you also. And I'd love for you to share with that. Cause I'm always interested in people that have passions, uh, whether it's collecting, playing games or anything else of the sorts, just to sort of understand. And it's just something that lights me up to know what other people are passionate about. So it'd be fun to have you back on. Thank you for being so transparent, authentic, sharing a bit of your journey because it's been a long journey, but I think we touched on some really, really cool points that we can expand even more on in another podcast. And uh, I'm very grateful that you're on here. I appreciate you very much. No, I'm super grateful, Rod, for your time. I can't believe it's been like an hour and a half already. Time's absolutely flown by and this was so much fun. So thank you so much. Let's have you back on. Definitely. If you're listening to me now, that means you've made it to the end of the episode and the end of the conversation. I'm thinking you got something out of it because you went all the way to this moment. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for listening. The best way to support the show is to share the episode, comment the episode, like the episode.
create a bigger community and that everybody gets in on the Weathercock podcast. And who knows, more people that change their minds means more people are exploring, experimenting, expanding their horizons and discovering what they truly want for their lives. I'll see you in the next episode.